0: Jewish audio on With The help of Hashem, we are learning Bavakamma Dav Pavov. We left off on Dav Pavov Ahmed 10 lines from the top of the Amid. Rabba asked the following question If Ruven damages Shimon and Shimon only suffers a temporary loss, for example, Shimon's arm shriveled up and he cannot go to work for a month. So there's no question that Reuven has to pay Shimon for the loss of income for the Shavis of that month. No question about that. The question is, does he also have to pay for the temporary loss in his value? And it's good to know that when Shimon, if Shimon would have been sold in a slave market, even though Shimon only has a temporary wound, it's possible that people will pay less money for him by saying, listen, yeah, in most cases, the wound will heal in a month. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't fully heal. People might pay less money for him. So, and if indeed that's the case, is that another obligation that the will have to pay to shimon That was the question that Rabbi asked. And the Gemara wanted to resolve that question, quoting a Mishnah that we're going to actually have tomorrow on Daf Pay The Mishnah speaks about a person who, God forbid, hits his father or his mother. The Mishnah is trying to tell you that Din. That in as much as when a person does one act that has on it, has with it, that causes two punishments, a more severe one and a more lenient one. So the rule is you only get the more severe one, Come a person hating one's parent, God forbid, if a person wounds them, as we explained yesterday, by causing blood to move, even if blood doesn't break skin, if blood moved internally, then your are Misa. If there's a key Misa is based in, then they don't have to pay the parent anything. But the Mishnah says, if a person wounded their parent, and they didn't cause a bruise, then they have to pay all of the five at the bottom. They have to pay, you know, for... So the Gemara says, ah, if there is no wound, that must mean that the bruise was temporary. If, because if it would have been something of permanency, that was the Havamina, then they are wounded. Then you don't pay anything. You get killed and based in. And never, so, so there is no wound. There is no permanent damage. It's only a temporary damage. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says, the son has to pay the parent all hamisha Devanah. So that proves that you do have to pay Nezek even if the injury is only temporary. To which the gemara responded that you do not have a proof from that mishnah because maybe the mishnah is speaking about a case where the blemish was permanent i if it's permanent why aren't you misa? so the example we gave is that the child bolded their father and as the gemara concluded that they put the child smeared on the father's head some sort some sort of delipatory cream that permanently Get burns through the hair. A permanent boldness is something that makes the father lose his value. When you sell a slave on the on the market, if they're bored, they're worth less money. On the other hand, there is no wound. Blood was not drawn from the parent, so that Mishnah has nothing to do with the case of Rabbah That's where we're up to the only thing we have to explain is that if that indeed is the case of the Mishnah, the Mishnah says that the child has to pay to the parent Okay, we get it that Nezek, the parent, is worth less because the parent now is bald. But what, what's the Tzar? What pain did the parent undergo when he had his hair, so to say, taken away? even though it won't grow back, but there's no pain to that. So continues the Gemara, 10 lines from the top, the pain that the child is chav to pay to the parent is because the isle kartufne, is because we're speaking about a parent, a father, let's say, that already had cracks, little cracks, but he had cracks on his scalp, he had cracks on his head, and and this cream or this lotion that permanently burns the hair went into the cracks, And the parent, the father, was shrouding from pain. So we know that there was pain. That's the sar. And again, like we learned yesterday or two shiurim ago, how do you evaluate that? How much would have the father paid had he been given the option? This is going to happen to you. You're going to lose your hair. And I'm going to do it to you in a way that it will hurt you. How much money will you pay for me to do it in a different way in which it won't hurt you? That's how you measure the, that's how you monetize pain. Next, ripoi. What's the ripoi? Not because you can get the hair to grow back. Ripoi the means the doctor bill, the doctor that needs to get paid to heal the father from the pain of the cream burning through his cracks. Maybe today today they have all these things, that people who become bald can have some sort of implants and they get their hair grown back. Maybe that's the deep way. Shavis, loss of employment. How do you lose employment? So it gives the Gemara an example, that the father made his living by dancing at weddings, dancing at taverns. And part of his shtick was the He needed to make humorous gestures with his head. He moved his head around. and And he cannot move his head around not because it's not funny, because he's bald. Maybe it's even funnier. But he can't move his head because it's hurting. Mahani <laughs> Kartuthne from those cracks in the head that got uh, invaded with this cream that is constantly hurting him. And Boishas, what is the Boishas, the fifth, says, There's no greater shame than becoming bald. Here we go. I'll leave it at that. There's no doubt that when this was written, there were many baldies, and you can just imagine what was going on then in the yeshiva when this was being said. Okay, right. Now, so the of the Mishnah does not address the case of the Rabbah's question. Rabbah was speaking about a case where there's only a temporary injury. The Mishnah is speaking about a permanent injury. So it's not resolved. Okay, continues the Gemara, umilse the le that this question that Rabbah did not know the answer to, both Abaya and Rava, they had a position. They disagreed with each other, but they didn't have a doubt. Now which one holds what? says the Gemara the Itmar. He al while Yada if one hits the other, let's say Ruven Hit Shimon on his hand, and Vitsamsa, and the hand shrivels up. But like we said, Viz the hand will heal. So there is a temporary loss in value, but not a permanent loss in value. So Abaya Omar, Abaya holds, noisimely Shevez G'daylo. That the damager, Reuven, has to both pay him. It's interesting. What we call Nezek is called here Shevez G'daylo. Shevez means loss of employment. Shevez G'daylo means the permanent loss of employment. Now doesn't mamish mean loss of employment? Again, Shevez here means he has to give him full compensation for the temporary loss. Not that he can't work. Like if it would be sold on a slave market right now, being that his hand is wounded, he's not gonna have the same value. Even though he's shouting, my hand will get better. Maybe yeah, maybe not. And also buyer says, and you also have to pay for the loss of income. So clearly a buyer holds, you gotta pay for both. Ravah holds, You only have to pay for the loss of income. Now, it's interesting to point that Rava's words is not Rava uses the words which means the following. We explained that at the end of the day, many things balances themselves out. So Nezek means you pay the person for their loss of value. So they used to do they had a job because they had two hands and now they cannot do it. That's part of the loss of value. So when on top of that, you have to pay them for the loss of income until they get better. So the Mishnah says, now you say, now that they already have this lower value, the max that they can do is, let's say, be a cucumber watchman. But now that he's sick, until he recovers, he can't even do that. So you pay him for the money that he lost, that he could have earned by being a cucumber watchman. That is the way Shevas is normally paid. Here, it's being that Rava disagrees with Abaya. Rava holds that you don't pay anything to him for his temporary loss of value. So when you evaluate the, lo- the loss of income, it's a much more evaluation, it's a much greater evaluation. You actually look at this person, he was working with his hands, not as a cucumber watchman, he was doing whatever he was really doing, and until it gets better he cannot do that, that's the loss of income. So yes, Rav on one hand is more lenient, in other words the damager pays one thing less, but on the other hand he will pay a lot more for Shavas, which is why Rav doesn't use the same words of abaya, abaya calls Shavos, Shavos Khtana, and Rav calls the words of Shavos, may shift to Look at every day. How much was he earning? How much is he earning now? The real loss of employment. And that is what the mazik has to pay. Before we go on, I just want to clarify the, the following and make a correction. That when we started pay Kachoyvol, if I'm not mistaken, I kept on confusing or changing two terms that should not be confused, and that is the following. When a person damages property, that is when we call the person a Adam Hamazik. When a person damages another person, we call them adam ha just allows clarity. So when the your you When the adam is mazik, like we learned up until this period, for mazik you have to pay only for the damage that you caused. Okay, let's move on. New topic. Itmar we learned. Hakiteya yad if a person cut off the hand of a evadivri. And the evadivri now belongs to your fellow. This is a great question. Who lost? The evid lost his hand, but the evid that let's say sold himself to a current master, the master also lost. Because when he bought the Evid, he paid a certain amount of money because the Evid had two hands. Now that the Evid only has one hand, there are many things that he cannot do. So who does the Adam Ha'chayvol, who does the damager pay the money to? Great question. And you can't say he pays money twice. He only pays money once. The question is to whom? You have the question, Gavaldik. So Abayya says, that the one who has the permanent loss, which is the slave himself, he gets the He's He was worth more, he's worth less, he gets that money. And the Shavas Ketana means like we just spoke out. Now that he's already worth less, the most he could do now when he's good is being a cucumber watchman. But until he heals... He can't even watch cucumbers. That is the only money that you have to pay to the master. So Shevez, Kitana goes to the master, but the Neze goes to the Evet, which really means that the master loses money. You know, you tell the mazel, you have a bad mazel. You now what would happen if a person buys an Evet and the Evet slips on their own and they break their hand? And now, and now he cannot do what the master thought he could do. So it's the bad mazel of the, of the master. So there's a certain thing, you know, he had bad luck. The point is, is that the damager, the choivel, doesn't pay twice. He pays nezek once. Being that he pays nezek according to Abaye to the Evet, he already paid for the nezek. So now the master only gets sheves k'tanah. Rava holds no. Everything should be given to the Evet. However, karka. so the money of nezek, the money of sheves, all of it has to go to the Evet. Now that the Evet has this bundle of cash, the Evet can't use it. Being that now he's subservient to a master, he must buy real estate with it, or something that produces income. And vahara, v'oichel during the time that he's still supposed to be the Evet to the master, the rabbi is going to benefit from that land, will eat the user fruit of the land. This is that's a That's That's a solution. Moving on to the next case, pshita, continues the gemara. In a case that piches eitz that someone damaged an Eved, the Eved's value became lessened, but only for himself. The rabbi but as far as the master is concerned, his value was not lessened. What would that mean, for example, hechidami, the paske what happens if someone cuts off the tip of the ear of the Eved? As far as the master is concerned, nothing changed. Whatever the rabbi bought the Evid for, the Evid can still do. However, the Evid himself, if he would be sold in the slave market, he would be worth less. Or, if <laughs> the master, if the mazik of if the, if the choivel cut off the tip of the nose of the evet, So there, there's no doubt, being that the rabbi doesn't lose anything his value of work was not lessened. It's not there that we had the machlaikas abayah and rava. There for sure, the value of the damage goes to the evet. Piches etzel rabbi, when the damage is something which the rabbi loses out from, that is where we have the machlaikas, as we just learned between abayah and rava. Moving on to the two dahats. So now, when the, the Mishnah quoted the fifth of the Hamisha de which is Baishes. And the Mishnah said that we don't have a said value, but it all depends on the status, both of the humiliator and of the humiliated. And as we spoke at Rashi in the Mishnah, that when the humiliator is someone wealthier and he has shamed someone else, the shame is less. But if the one who does the humiliation, if the humiliator to begin with is of a lower social status, and he ashamed someone else, the victim feels more shame. You know, you know who shamed me? That no one. And likewise the humiliated, a wealthy person feels more shame. A poor person is already humbled. He doesn't feel such busha. So every case is a case. It varies. Says the Gemara, let's analyze and conclude that our Mishnah cannot be Rabbi Meir. Our Mishnah cannot be authored by the Tana Rabbi Yehuda. Our Mishnah has to be Rab Shimon. Nothing wrong with that. Why can it not be Ramein and Says the Gemara de And here we have on the side, both from Rabbi Shaya Pick and from the Marshal, that it's really a Braissa, the Tanya. It says in the Braissa of Kulan, we're speaking about rich and poor alike. Roy en we look at them, ki ilu heim as if they are aristocrats, free people, shiyardu yordu that are now poor, Why do we look at all Jews, whether they are factually rich or poor, as aristocrats that now lost their money? Because everyone is shame b'nei Avram Yitzchak v'Yakriv. Everyone is Avraham... We are descendants of Avram Yitzchak v'Yakriv. So we are all really b'nei Chayden. However, on the other hand, Avmeir holds that if a person is going to be viewed as a wealthy person, wealthy people have no limit to their shame. If a wealthy person gets a shame, they're going to claim, you know how ashamed I am? So the of our safe. So to equalize everyone, which is what Rav Meir holds, we look at all Jews of the same financial status. Now it's going to become clear at the end of Pevava Medalev that Rav Meir is only saying this regarding finances. This is important to remember. If not, people get confused when they learn the Gemara later. As far as age difference, you know, younger people feel ashamed. Guy's still young. You know, in yeshiva, guy's already established, or other social status differences, Rav Meir still will hold that there are differences between people, but that we're gonna to get to later. Financially, that won't change. Rav Meir considers everyone the same. So you can already see that our Mishnah is not Rav Meir. Because our Mishnah is saying, hakoi lufi hamavayish Bayish. you know, depends, it varies, Rav Meir puts at least financially everyone on the same pedestal. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, hagodoi lufi and You know, depends on the hagodl means wealthy. You're wealthy, you're poor. That's our understanding right now. Rab Shimon Aymer, Rab Shimon says the following, that unlike Rabbi Yehuda that Mamash allows it to vary from person to person, unlike Rav Meir that puts everyone on the same setting, says Rab Shimon, wealthy people, we look at them, like Rav Meir said, we look at them as aristocrats, but that now lost money. She in because if you're going to look at them based on their current financial status, they're going to claim an exorbitant amount of money for Busha. Wow, I was so ashamed. Look at me, I'm so wealthy and they shame me. Aniim. when it comes to poor people, kibchusim shebehem, we look at all poor people as if they are the poorest of people. In other words, we just put people into two classes. Instead of allowing mamash every person to be viewed differently, you, know, you have the wealthy people and you have the poor people so now clarifies the Gemara. let's read the girsa of the bach that hashta now money who is the author of our mishnah the mishnah says that it varies from person to person and he puts all the all the victims in the same financial category so if you're to say it's rabbi Yehuda, which fits the best Every person is different. Can be why? Because in our Mishnah, now our Mishnah means in the Sefer of the Mishnah that we started out in the Pedik, which will be on Daf Peivavamidbeis. We'll learn this Mishnah today, but we are assuming correctly so that if the Sefer of the Mishnah cannot be Rabbi Yehuda, the Resh of the Mishnah can also not be Rabbi Yehuda. What does it say in the Sefer of the Mishnah on that that if a person ashames a blind or if a blind does the shaming, that will be clarified soon, your chayiv, That there is a chayif, busha by blind. Now, v'ilu rabbi Yehuda, if our Mishnah will be rabbi Yehuda, rabbi, rabbi Yehuda holds, that Summa in li'boshes, that a blind person has no shame. We'll clarify soon what that means. So it can't be rabbi Yehuda. El so, so therefore, it has to be that our Mishnah is the Tana rabbi Shimin, the arisha v'chabura, who holds that Even on the financial letter, the level, it varies from person to person. Haqqai l'afi amabayish says Well, yeah, the Mishnah can for sure be according to Rabbi Shemin. But don't rule out Rabbi Yehuda. When did Rabbi Yehuda say that Summa ain't lay that there is no by a blind person? That is only Lemishkal Minei. That's only when the blind person was the one that did the damage. When the blind person was the one that was the chayvel. Being that he's blind, and that's going to lead into the topic, we'll continue on mitzvah tomorrow with whether a summa is exempt from the mitzvahs. Rabbi Yehuda holds that a summa is not obligated to pay for damages. However, avolam fillet, But if he was the one that got humiliated, he doesn't see, but he feels. He feels shame. Then even Rabbi Yehuda holds yahavino You have to give him compensation. So it works. So there's nothing to do. Rabbi Yehuda holds summa is potter. Rabbi Yehuda holds summa is chayv. It depends whether he's the humiliator, whether he's the humiliated. Says the Gemara, we're not going to accept that. This difference is true, what we just said. It's going to stay that way. Rabbi Yehuda only exempts the summa if he's the one doing the shaming. If he's the one receiving, getting shamed, then he will get paid for that. However, the Mishnah is not Rabbi Huddha. Why? Because Hamidani Saif, since it says in the same Mishnah, and that pevavamid base, that Ramavai say, if a person is ashamed someone who's sleeping, is chaif. However, the Mishnah continues, but a, a person who's sleeping that ashamed someone else while they're sleeping. You know, they're sleeping, they stretch, and in their stretch they knock someone in their face, but they did it when they were sleeping. Then their patir. In other words, the Mishnah differentiates regarding a sleeper. Whether he's the humiliator or he's the humiliated. And if the Mishnah would have been Rabbi Yehuda, the Mishnah should have made the same difference when it comes to a blind person. Because we correctly established that according to Rabbi Yehuda, there is a difference by a whether he's the one doing the shaming or getting ashamed. For like, Tani summa should be a Shpatr. Correct? Uh, to contrast that with a summa that received shame. Michlal that the Mishnah is not Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore, the loishnah hachi, that the Mishnah holds that a summa is always going to be chayev. And that takah is not like Rabbi Yehuda. Because Rabbi Yehuda holds that if the summa ashames, you won't obligate him to pay. Therefore, the white answer, the better answer is, that our Mishnah is authored by the great Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochayim. Says the Gemara, man Tana, who is the author, from the following Braysam. It says in a braise, And we are assuming that a cotton means someone who is a minor. A person intended to asham a minor be a but they ended up ashaming an adult. The amount of money that you have to give is not the shame that the person who de facto got humiliated feels, but you have to give the money according to the one to, to whom you intended to humiliate. How much shame would he have felt, however you evaluate that? And that's the money that you have to pay. Likewise, continues the B'raisa, Levi if a person intended to ashamed an Eved, an Evid K'nani, and he ended up with as Ben he ashamed a free person, or Naisin Le Ben how much money do you pay f- to the person who got humiliated? Only the May Boish only the amount of money that you were going to afflict on the Evet Knani and the Vraissa, says the Gemara. Now, hold on. Now that we learned Rab Meir, Rab Yehuda, and Rab now we're going to have a problem because this Vraissa apparently cannot be Rab Meir, cannot be Rab Yehuda, cannot even be Rab Shimon. Why not? Because, explains the Gemara, the one who asked that question, who read the words minor and adult, cotton and goddol, thought that cotton and godal is not speaking about age, which it really is. Cotton and godal in the Havamina speaks about wealth. Cotton means poor, Gadl means wealthy. Gadl <laughs> means wealthy in a chasm. And that, of course, doesn't work because Rav Meir holds that everyone is equalized. It doesn't vary based on the financial standings. We just learned Rav Meir. So Rav Meir, it's not because there's no difference. Now, Rav Meir also can be because since the Mishnah says that if a person intended to shame an avid and they ashamed the Ben Chaydin, they don't have to pay the ben Chayden for the shame that the ben Chayden felt. But they have to give to the ben Chayden the amount of money that an evid would have felt. But something has to be given for the Evid. Rabbi Yehuda holds, A slave doesn't feel any shame. So it can't be Rabbi Yehuda. Elamad's going to beat Rab Shimon. Ah, nish Shimon. Ha'amad Rab Shimon holds Neschav and Levaish That if a person intended to a shame A and they ended up ashamed B, you are completely exempt. Now, we learned this din a few times before, but let's just review two points. Point number one. The first time he's focused on this was on Daf Zayin. If you remember, at the end of Ketzel HaRegel, at the end of the second Patek, we had seven memories of Rabbah. The Gemara put together seven statements of Rabbah, And from one of them, we came to the following conclusion. That when an Adam is when a person damages another person, and chamisha Advarim, we separated the chamisha Advarim into three categories. Nezek, even if you did not intend to damage, you gotta pay, right? I'm driving down the street and my brakes fail and I hurt a mazik. If I damage even other people's property, if I damage for nezik, I can't say it was not oinus. You did it, you pay for it. For the three, which is tzar, ripuy and sheves, there we learned you only pay if there was negligence or some sort of negligence. Therefore, if it was an accident, you don't pay. When it comes to Boishas, you only pay if you intended to damage. Even though we learned there, you don't have to intend to a shame, but you need to have Kavana to damage. Now here you had Kavana to shame, but you had Kavana for someone else. So now let's also review another din that we learned a few times already in Bava Kama. There's a Machlickus in Sanhedrin regarding murder. And we're going to compare murder and damage to, for them to be the same. If one person, God forbid, intended to kill Reuven, intentional murder, but they, they, they gave the blow to Shimon. Chachamim hold is Misa. You intended to be a murderer, it's called an intentional murder. Rab Shimon holds that since you did not intend to kill the victim that actually got killed, you're not going to be Chayv. And we're comparing the case of Busha to the case of murder. Rab Shimon will hold that if a person intended to ashamed Ruven and they ashamed Shimon, the they don't pay at all. Since for busha you're only chayv if you had kavana to do damage, and your kavana was for someone else, Rab Shimon holds you not chayv at all, let's read it inside. My tamo, why would Rab Shimon hold you be exempt? exam? Because kiktala, because Rab Shimon will hold that the same rules we apply for murder is applied in the case of busha. Mak just like when it comes to murder. lay the murderers only chayv in a human court. When he intended to kill the victim, the that died. In other words, it's not a shaygig, but it's not a mazit. No, the And here we're quoting a Pasik in Parsha Shoftim regarding the Ari miklot. The Torah says that va'arav loy. We're speaking about the aggressor ambushes him, the victim. And vikam ala, then he rises up against him. It's mamish, a double expression. He ambushes him and he rises up against him. Why do you need to have these two expressions? Rabshim and holds. From there, you learn that you have to ambush him. You have to intend for him. Likewise, why says the Gemara, that Boi Adam is Chavalei. Rav will be consistent and hold that as we just explained by Busha, you have to have Kavana to hurt your victim. You have to have Kavana for the victim that you actually hurt. As it says here, and now we're quoting Apostol and Parashas where two men are fighting and the wife of one wanting to protect her husband, stopping the aggressor, Grabs onto his private parts, so the Titus says, "Visholcha yada." She extends her hand, v'yichzika b'mevushav, and she grabs onto his shame. Again, she needs. She's only chayif if she intended to ashamed him, the person whom she actually ashamed. Actually, is loy, and therefore, according to Rab Shimon, you won't be chayif at all. In, in both cases of the B'raiso. So the question back is, who is the author of the B'raiso? So says the Gemara, firstly, When did Rabbi Yehuda say that that there's no shame when it comes to avadim. Now we have a Gvaldicus splitting of the hair. Now we're not speaking about the humiliator versus the humiliated. Now we're speaking about that the Eved is the humiliated one. Rabbi Yehuda says, you don't pay him. says the Gemara, there's two ways of understanding that. It's not that you're not chayif to pay him. That ain't and boishus means l'meis The trader says you don't give him that money. Because he's an evet. A'avo But as far as evaluating the shame, shaymiran bahu. You make that evaluation. Not that the evet doesn't feel shame. The evet feels shame. There's a gzayda sakasuf that you don't have to give it to him. Here you actually didn't ashamed the evet. You ashamed the ben chayden. Not that Shimon, we hold, that since you ashamed someone, you had Kavanah to ashamed. And you ashamed someone, even if it's else, you got to pay. Elamah, you pay the lesser amount of money. Evid doesn't have shame means that he doesn't get it. But you owe it, so to say. There is, there is a shame that you don't have to pay. Gavaldik. the Ba or says the Gemara, three lines from the bottom that I'll tell you that this price is Rab Meir. Me, savrat, why are you thinking that when the Bryce speaks about a godol it means a godol bin a chasm, a wealthy person, and cotton means a poor person, cotton bin a chasm? No, don't understand it that way. Goddle means goddle mamish, an adult, and cotton means cotton mamish, a minor. Does a minor experience shame? So the Gemara says, Yeah. Just like the Rav Papa, as we'll learn soon, Rav Papa said regarding another case, that there are minors that are so young, they feel no shame. But there are minors, whatever that age is, they're not adults, they're not bar mitzvah, but if they, you ashamed them and they feel shame, that's vicious. Hachinami here also, turning that pave base, the Baraisa speaking about that you intended to damage, a minor that if the machlem Ulay, if you would have indeed embarrassed him, umikalam, he would have felt shame. Not as much shame as an adult, but he would have felt shame, and that's the din of the b'raisa, not like the tanad You pay to the adult that amount of money, evaluating the person to whom you were t- intended to shame. Moving on to the next Mishnah. If a person ashamed, someone who's naked, the um, meaning would mean over here, you spit on him, you slapped him. Or, if you, again, the you ashamed someone who's blind. You ashamed someone who is sleeping. Now, when he's sleeping, he doesn't feel shame, but when he wakes up, he finds out that so and so happened to him, he feels shame. Then, says the Mishnah Yechayef. Continues the Mishnah, however, should but if the one who is sleeping is the one that does the shaming, right? He's the humiliator, he's potten. Why? As we spoke out before, again, quoting from of Zion, that by busha, you have to have kavana. You don't have to have kavana to shame. you have to have at least kavana to damage. When the guy was sleeping, he had no kavana. When it comes to paying damage, you got to pay even for an honest. When it comes to paying the other things we mentioned, if there was some negligence involved, you got to pay as well. But for Busha, you have to have Kavana when i 'm asleep and I, and I roll over, maybe there was negligence. I should have known that I might have rolled over and ashamed someone, but i didn 't have Kavana, and i 'm going to be exempt next, nothing when a guy if a person fell off the roof, and he ended up falling on someone and that damaged him and ashamed him. so then it's high and ezek, like we just spoke out because. Adam Muatlailam. Upatar and he won't be haif to pay for the shame. What about ripoy, Tsar, and shevis? That depends. If he fell off Biruach Matsuya, so there was negligence. He should have known that a wind could have blown him off. Then he's high for that. If he fell off Biruach Shayna Matsuya, then he won't have to pay. Not for Dipuy, not for Tsar, not for shevis. Because when it comes to Vaishus, the Mishnah says, you only at until you intend to hurt the other. It says the Gemaratana bishoy If one ashamed a victim who is naked, then you are Chayev. However, says the Braysa of, einuima Bishoy Lavush. But you can't compare the amount of shame. That the humiliated one feels if he's already unclothed as the shame he would have felt if he would have been clothed. So it's different, but there is some shame. Next case in the B'raiso. If the humiliator ashamed the humiliated one while the victim is in the bathhouse. Again, you're Chayev. However, End of b'raiso. Now the Gemara is Gavaldiq. Omar Mar, we're quoting the B'raiso. Bishoy Arum when you ashamed someone, when they're naked, you're chayef. So asks the Gemara, is someone who is unclothed, will he feel any shame? Now, why don't we ask that question on the Mishnah? The Mishnah says that when you ashamed the Arim, you're chayef. So the answer will be. What, why don't we ask it on the Mishnah? That the fact that the Brisa gave two cases, one case is Be'Beis Amerchats, which implies that the first case is regardless whether you are in the bathhouse or not. So a person who's unclothed outside, Taka has no shame, but in the bathhouse where it's normal for people to be unclothed, then you should feel shame. So when you're behaving, the way you're behaving, and then someone shames you, are you gonna feel shame there? So that's what I have to clarify. Is the shame spitting in someone's face? Or is the shame connected to unclothing them? So let's read inside. So the Gemara says, Omar Papa, arayim, That the meaning of naked, in which the Braise says that you are that a wind came, the person is outside the bathhouse. And again, if a person outside the bathhouse, that's the meaning is already unclothed, it's a shameless person. So if he's a shameless person, I'm saying outside the bathhouse, it's unusual for the person to be unclothed. So if the guy is and walking around naked, what kind of shame is there? In the Mishnah, you can learn that it was base HaMerchatz. In the Brisa, the Brisa speaks about two cases. It speaks about base HaMerchatz, which implies that the is even when you're outside, that's the question. Oh, so how do you feel shame outside? If, if you're already naked outside, you have no shame. So the Gemara says, the guy was outside. He wasn't walking around naked, but to us, Zika, here we go, the Zika virus came, and Karhin and the wind, Zika means wind, it blew up his clothing. And V'asohu came the aggressor and and he lifted it even more. Kaminig, you know, kick a guy when he's down. So the guy is a person that feels shame. He wasn't walking around naked. He was walking around clothed. The wind blew up his clothing. In those days they wore tunics, even the men without pants, you understand? So when the clothing blew up, it was shameful for him. He's a person that didn't want that. So came his fellow, instead of helping him, he lifted it even more. Next case continues. Ubaishay. Okay, very good. Next case back to the Braisa That bishur beis hamerchadz. If he ashamed them in the bathhouse, he's chayiv. Now beis hamerchadz bar Will you feel shame in the bathhouse? So one second. In the mission again, we might be speaking about spitting or slapping someone. Of course, a person will get ashamed if they'll be spit upon or slapped upon in a bathhouse. What difference is there? But now that the daysh of the braisa is speaking about the shame of becoming unclothed. That's the question. Becoming unclothed is normal in the bathhouse. That should not cause any shame. On which our Papa answers, Shebisha yal No, that he wasn't in a bathhouse. In a bathhouse people go completely unclothed, like in a mikvah. But on the river, like in a swimming pool, you go with a bathing suit. You cover yourself a little bit. And he went ahead and he pulled off his bathing suit or something like that. So it has to do with uncovering him, but there, there is shame. And again, the Baisa says, much worse in the marketplace. But there is still Busha, Vaiten. Boy, Rab bar Rab asked the following question. Bishay Yashem, If a person ashamed the other while the other was sleeping. Ru'uven ashamed Shimon when Shimon is sleeping. And in the Mishnah, we learned that you got to pay him. But we spoke out because when Shimon wakes up, he found out what happened to him. He feels shame when he wakes up. What happens if Vomays? Shimon never woke up, he died. Now, who are you paying to? You're paying to, Shua, to Shimon's uh, heirs. Mao is an Uv Great question. Who speaks out the Gemara. What is underlying the question? This is Rab Abba Bar question. Do we say that the cause of paying Boishes, Mishum, you? it's because of the feeling of embarrassment? And in our case, since the victim died, he never felt that embarrassment, so you don't have to compensate, you don't have to pay. It's not because of the victim's feeling of embarrassment. Hashem says that you aggressor, you humiliator, you degraded someone else for that act of degrading pay money. Is it because of the terrible thing that you did, or is it because of the terrible experience that that person received? Yeah, so if it's about the recipient's feelings, he didn't wake up to feel it. But if the Torah says, when, when the aggressor, when the Mevayesh does something degrading to another, pay, hey, he did something degrading. He degraded someone else. So to answer Abba's question, they brought the following, but I said, Meir says, and or a cotton, a deaf mute or a minor yesh they have shame however shaita someone who's an imbecile ain't like boshes well that's a sign of a shaita someone who loses shame come a shaita and so now end of b'risa so says the gemara if the cause of boshes is not the feelings of the one who got beaten but it's about the sin of the beater you ashamed you pay that makes sense. If you ashamed the minor, even if the minor didn't feel shame, but you did something negative, you degraded another person. But if the cause of the financial penalty of Baishas has to do with the feelings of the victim, Does a minor feel shame? Now, we had that in Namad Aleph, that's the Rav Papa. But before the Gemara responds, the Gemara says, hold on. Elamai, okay, let's go with what you're saying. So you're saying it has to do not with the feelings of the victim, it has to do with the sinful behavior of the aggressor. Elamai, Mishumzi, Lusam. So if that's the case, if the aggressor ashamed an imbecile, a shaita, the act of shaming someone else is just as negative. Afilu shaitanami. To which the Gemara gives an interesting answer. That there comes a point that the shaita, who nebach is such a shaita, that shaming him is not called an act of degrading. That Amri Shaita, he's already degraded. He's so degraded by the fact of who he is that doing something to him is not even called an act of aggression. But Makaim Nevertheless, be minah, let's prove from this b'raisa, the answer of Abba, bamamul, boy, mishum zilu, Again, the Gemara talks it out again. Because the e mishum, kisufa, because if it has to do with the feelings of the victim, katten bar kisufu, to which the Gemara responds, and that, that is the Daf Papa that we quoted at the end of Amad Alif. No, 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 no proof. Why, Amad Rav Papa? Who told you that a minor doesn't feel shame? It could be a one-year-old doesn't feel shame. But uh, a minor is un- until bar mitzvah. That we're speaking about a minor, the mahlamulay umikalam. That if you want to shame him, he will feel shame. So it's different. So there's no proof to the question. the Rav Papa Papa had a different version of the question of Rav Abba, which was amazing. What's Rav Papa's version? This is what Rav Abba asked. Again, the question is: Ruven ashamed Shimon when Shimon was asleep, and Shimon never woke up. Shimon died. So the question is, not whether Yechayi Boish for the act of the degrading. No, it has to do with the feelings of the victim. However, Rav Papa says, is it only because of the feelings of the victim himself, and he died? Or is it the fact that his entire family got ashamed? One of our chevra got ashamed. So even though he died, the family experienced the shame of their brother, their parent, their son, their family member, getting sh- ashamed. Is it because of his embarrassment, the victim's embarrassment only, and therefore since he died, for he did not experience embarrassment, or maybe it's because of mishpachad, the family got ashamed. And on that, the same exact attempted proof and rebuttal from the same b'raisa. So if that was the question, the same b'raisa, the same a deaf mute or a minor, they have boishes. However, a shaita ain't lay boishes. End of braysa. And again, the same logic. If it has to do with the family feeling shame, that's why the minor, because the, the cotton doesn't have boishes. They have a but the family feels ashamed that they ashamed their younger brother. Elu But if it has to do only with the victim's feelings, cotton bar boishes. Ooh. To which the Gemara responds, okay, Elomai, let's go back. What, what's your logic? If that's the case, even a Shaita. Shaita has a family. To which the Gemara answers, no, nisht. Sadly, in other words, the fact that the Shaita is a Shaita, even if he gets degraded, the family doesn't feel additional shame. They're already ashamed. You can't, it, it doesn't get worse. You can't fall when you're already on the ground. So, to the to, to, Rab, to the version of this question of Rab Abba because again, because the imishum if it's because just of the individual shame, caught in bark to which Rav Papa said Nish, no proof. In yes, a minor feels shame. The Mahal call See a shame a minor and see if he feels shame. And more than that, the hatanya that's I'll prove it to you. Rebbe says, A deaf mute feels shame. An imbecile doesn't feel any shame. Or you can, how do you, what's the definition of a shaita? Someone who has no shame. Today we're living in a world that all of many, uh, the many, you know, the modern psychologists, they take away your shame, which is a terrible thing. They make you into a shaita. <laughs> and that's why they charge you and you pay. A minor depends, depends on the age. Like we learned, the machal mole Every case is a case, and just concluding what we started out with on Aleph, that even though Rav Meir holds that financially we put everyone on the same level, but age is different. Even Rav Meir holds there's a hakoylufi. You have to see the age. Every age carries with it a different level of shame. Continues the if you shame a blind person, Vechule Masnison says the Gemara again. The like of Rabbi Yehuda, the author of our cannot be the Tana Rabbi Yehuda because the time we learned, Rabbi Yehuda says, "Suma ain't like a blind person." Now again, how did we clarify Rabbi Yehuda? If a blind person humiliated someone else, he's exempt. Rabbi Yehuda, not only did Rabbi Yehuda, uh, exempt a Suma. From paying shame, but likewise, if a summa did an act of halachic manslaughter, killing another person Bishoygig, for which the punishment normally is, he got to go into gallows. If the aggressor, if the manslaughterer is blind, he's exempted. Likewise, for the many violations of a negative commandment in the Torah, for which the punishment is Malkis. If a summa violated that mitzvah, he's exempt from a Malchus. And even if he did an act for which there's a chi of misas based in, Rab- Rabbi Yehuda exempted the summa um a based beisden. And now we're going to go case by case. Says the Gemara, my tamar, the Rabbi Yehuda regarding busha, why is he not chaiv if he ashamed? So Gama, Rabbi Yehuda has A necha, a einecho. It says in the passage that we just quoted on Amad Aleph, about the woman trying to protect her husband so, so the plastic deer says cut off her hand and again we learned that was the whole beginning of the Patek, it doesn't mean literally it's compensation and the Torah says your eyes should not feel pity for her a necha, and we have the words a necha by Edom zaymimim. It says in Parsha Shoftim a necha on the Edom that were caught to be liars. Mahasam just like by Edom zaymimim, so Lai, blind people can never become Edom zaymimim. Why not? Because how do you become Edom zaymimim? You have to begin by saying testimony. What do you say testimony that we saw Ruven killed Shimon? If you're blind, how can you see Ruvin killed Shimon? Ask many of the Achrenim. What happens if someone was not? Uh, blind, not seeing impaired, and they witness the murder. And even if they become blind later, why would they not be good for Adem? Kasha, let's go on. Afachi, mm-hmm. bottom line is, just like Adam Zoyimim cannot be, a summa can never become an Eid Zoyimim, because we don't accept as witness to begin with. Afachi Sumim Loi, Gzei Roshava, continues the Gemara. That mechai ve'goluyois, why does Rabbi Yehuda hold that a blind person will never go into Goluz? Because the Tanya we learn... When the Pasik says, and Parsha right regarding the whole case of someone who manslaughters, that that the manslaughterer did not see the victim. Prat Rabbi Yehuda says he didn't see him, that excludes a suma from the whole Parsha. Because when Hashem says he didn't see him, it implies he's a person that could have seen, he's a seer, Elman in this case he didn't see the victim. If a guy doesn't see anything, it's a given that he didn't see. He, somehow he excludes the summa. Rambam says the opposite: that when the traitor says that he did not see him, it comes to include a blind person, because it's amazing how the same word can be looked at in two ways. Because the blind person didn't see him; he didn't see him; he didn't see, he didn't see anyone, but he didn't see him. Now, if you, since you can learn the word both ways, why does Rambam and Rabbi Judah argue? So explains the Gemara the following beautifully: My Talmud, Rabbi Judah. Allah Ch'rabiyuddin will tell you that on Parsha Shaeftim, that's later, not on Masay, when it, the Trader again speaks about the dinner of a, a person who manslaughters, who has to go into Golos. It says, If a person entered the forest, to cut or chop wood. And the, that is a very general statement. Who can enter a forest to chop wood? Anyone, even a blind person. So the Summa is included in the Parsha in shaiftim. So now, Kasav Rahman Abu when the traitor wrote the same thing twice and here we're speaking about someone who who did not see here that comes to exclude that which was included <inaudible> <Rabbeer> says no <inaudible> Here, <inaudible> release, it, it, it. the first reaction to these words is that it should exclude a blind person because the passage is speaking about that the murderer didn't see means that normally he could However, when the Torah and Pasha Shoftim says "beli das," that he had no knowledge again, that he didn't have knowledge in this specific case, but normally he knows what's happening. That's another exclusion. And now we have a very important rule that whenever you have a double exclusion, a double exclusion actually includes. Have miyot, miyot. Now, what about Rabbi Yehuda? Rabbi Yehuda says that the words "beli das" is not coming to exclude a summa. There, they're speaking about something else. That if a person intended to kill, what happens if a person intended to kill an animal? An animal. And they kill the person, they don't go into Golos. That when do you go into gullus when you had no intent to do any damage? So that's the belief, that's. The so you only have the words over here, belay uh, belayra ice, belayra ice. Excludes the summa next in that a blind person, God forbid, if he, if he committed the capital sin, he is not killed and based in Bezdin. Why? Because now that we established, according to Rabbi Huda, from the Ois, that you don't go Golos when you're killed intentionally, you also don't get killed and in Bezdin. Also, Asia, Russia, Russia, Mechayoveh is based in. You know, it's all, it's all learned. Gzeirah Shava, Gzeirah Shava, beginning with the ois That is B'raisa number one. Let's in on another piece. Tanya Idik. We learned in another B'raisa. Rabbi Yehuda Omer here. Rabbi Yehuda is giving a much more general statement. He's not only speaking about the specific items that we spoke about on the first b'risa. He says, Suma, ain't a blind person is not liable for humiliating others. That's important the whole time. If the blind person gets humiliated, even Abi Yehuda holds, he gets paid. He feels, he can't see, but he feels. But if he's the one humiliating, you don't obligate him to pay. Ah, much bigger, that a blind person is is exempt from all of from the entire judicial system which means he can't be a judge he can't be a plaintiff he can't be a defendant why because again quoting a apostle where it says that the congregation should judge right in the cases where someone manslaughtered and then a family member killed the murderer And were they allowed to kill him or not allowed to kill him? Was he in the Aramiklat? Was he not in the Aramiklat? So the Parasitek speaking says that you judge him based on the rules that the Torah gave. So says Rabbi Yehuda, whoever is included in the din of having to pay for hurting someone else, Whoever is included in the din of Goyal HaDam, whoever is chive to go into Golos, Yeshnei Bamishpatim, is included in all monetary cases. However, kol sheeine b'maqa Goyal HaDam, if a person is excluded... From having to pay for injuring someone else. A person who is excluded from having to go into Golos, which is the Summa, they are excluded with all the Mishpatim. They are excluded from all monetary cases that are dictated by a Bezdin. So asks the second Toisbus under the Ahmed, a Gavaldika question. Oy Bazoy, why did we need to have Boishis being exempted by W. Hudam from Einecha Einecha? Now that we excluded him from the Goyal Hadam, he should be excluded from everything. And twice was says Ein The first Einu twice was the first answer that after Rabbi Yehuda found this new limud of the Shavtu Ben Amaki Magel he didn't need Gzeir Hashava anymore. So mirza Hashem will take up here tomorrow this concept that a Summa is exempt from many many obligations. mirza Hashem to be continued.